Thank you, brother. You're very kind, and I feel the same way about Brother Lawrence. I'm always happy to come to Bobby Branch. I look upon you as kindred brethren, and I appreciate your work. I appreciate your support of my work at the Memphis School of Preaching. So I'm delighted tonight to have the opportunity to be with you. As Brother Lawrence was talking about the different positions I've had at the school, it it hit me, maybe they're trying to find a place where I can actually do something, and they keep giving me opportunities. <laughs> Let's see, where are we? There we go. Distracted by family. In this sermon tonight, I'm going to be talking about some things that have happened in my life, and I don't do that as a testimonial by any means, but having come out of denominationalism, it may be that there are some who have done the same, or it may be that you're in the situation where I was, that I was torn as to what to do. I love my family just like you love yours. Being with them was always pleasant, even in the times when we were worshiping together in a denominational congregation. So when I was 19, I left that, that denomination. I left it not because of uh, my not loving my family. I, I love them more than ever. But because I had to leave that denomination to do what was right, I enjoyed being with the family and friends whenever I was with them. But you know, there came a time when I had to make a choice, and so I left there. You may be wondering why, so I want to tell you some things that were not reasons for my leaving that denomination that had been the religion of my fathers for generations. It wasn't because I had some problem with somebody that we became angry and there was resentment that grew from that or had some experience that was bad that made me say, I'm leaving here, no personal conflicts. It wasn't because, as I have had some people tell me, that they'd become tired of organized religion. That wasn't the reason for my leaving. Or because I observed hypocrisy. Uh, although that's present just about anywhere you go. That wasn't the reason. It wasn't because I was kicked out, and I know that's what y'all were thinking. They kicked me out of there, and I had to go somewhere else. That wasn't it. It wasn't because they called upon me too much or too little. It wasn't because my family wasn't supporting and encouraging. They were. It wasn't because I saw some benefit at another place, either financially, politically, socially, or whatever it might have been. I didn't leave a big church for a small one or a small church for a big one and didn't just swap churches or join another denomination, as some people have done. It wasn't to gain anyone's favor or to follow someone who had left. I left that religion of my family because I had to do so in order to be saved. And I had to quit being distracted by family. And again, from a personal standpoint, this is something with which I struggled quite a bit. I'm from Alabama. And down in Alabama, loyalty to family is right up there at the top of the list of requirements. And I was told I was disloyal to my family. And so it was a hard decision to make, but it was the right decision to make. And that verse that was read just a moment ago was the verse that convinced me of that. I kept trying to hold on to the religion of my fathers, and finally I had to say, you know what, I either love God more 
or I love my family more. And I know what will happen if I love my family more. And so I left because I had to put aside the doctrines of men to abide in the doctrine of Christ. There are all kinds of creed books and doctrines written by men. I have a stack of them in my office, several shelves full of them. And if they contain less than the Bible, they don't have enough. If they contain more than the Bible, they've got too much. If they contain the same thing, we don't need it because we've already got it. Revelation 22, 18, and 19 has a principle there in accordance with that revelation, but it applies to us in other areas as well. Where Jesus, as he spoke through John, and John recorded this, pointed out that if we add anything to what God has written, he'll add to us the plagues written in that book. And if we take away from those things written in the book, he'll take away our part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from all those things written in the book. So I had to abide in the doctrine of Christ and notice that word doctrine is singular. When we talk about the doctrine of Christ like 2 John 9, it is singular. But when we talk about the teachings of men, notice Matthew 15, 9. Jesus said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And so the doctrines of men will not save. Therefore, salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that follow the doctrines of men. As I was thinking about this, I thought about what what would Jesus do at the judgment day? Here he is, the judge, and a man comes and he has followed a creed book written by men. And that's been his rule of life and his religion, and he's followed that. Is Jesus going to say, well, here's what I wanted you to do, but since you followed this creed book, then we'll use it as a standard of judgment for you? Absolutely not. There's one standard for everybody, and it's not the creeds written by men. I had to forsake the false idea of salvation by faith only for the truth of salvation by an obedient faith. I was sitting on my bed trying to read the Bible. I didn't know how <laughs> I didn't know how to read the Bible. I had reading Genesis one night and Matthew the next. I didn't have a clue. But I was reading James 2, 14 through 26, and I came to that passage and it was just like a a uh, a lightning bolt had hit. It was just it just almost I almost fell off the bed. As I looked at it, because I'd been told all my life that salvation by faith only is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. And that was what was preached. And every time I heard it, I, I said, that's what the, uh, the church here believes. And that's what my family believes. It must be right. But then I read James 2, 14 through 26. There I saw that faith only will not save because it's a dead faith, verse 17. It's an unprofitable thing, verses 14 and following. It is a faith that doesn't work and it cannot be seen. One man says, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works, verse 18. And then verse 24 is the verse that hit home to me. You see then how that by works a man is justified. That means works of obedience. How that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And I'd heard all my life 
that salvation was by faith only. But God's word said it is not by faith only. And I thought, well, if I do what this book says, I'll have to leave the religion of my family. That wasn't an easy thing to do. A faith that will not act is a faith that will not save. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith must work by love. And so salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that teach faith only, for faith only will not save. I had to stop obeying men in order to obey God. Denominations teach obedience to the doctrines of men and to men as well. But we're going to be judged by the word of Christ, John twelve forty eight. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There is no doubt then about what the standard of judgment will be. It's going to be the word of Christ, not the words of men. Since we're going to be judged by the word of Christ, it's by the word of Christ that we must live. Jesus asked one day, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Luke 6, 46. That's a good question. It's a question that penetrates right down to the soul. Why do you pretend like I'm your Lord when you don't do what I say? The servant is to obey the master, the Lord. He said, you're calling yourselves my servants, but you're not doing what I say for you to do. And so I had to quit obeying men because salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that teach we ought to obey men rather than God. Quite often when a question would come up, <clears throat> the answer to that question would not be based upon what does the Bible teach, what does creed book say? And as ignorant as I was, I knew that, that couldn't be right. Here's a book written by God. Here's one written by men. We're going to make it the standard instead of God's book. I had to cease worshiping in accordance with the will of men that I might worship according to the will of God. Offering worship is not all there is. It has to be acceptable worship. And to be acceptable worship, it has to be authorized. No doubt there are many who say we're worshiping God when they're doing exactly what they want to do and not what God said to do. Exodus 32. Strange, strange occurrence there. Aaron later on, when asked about what happened, he said, we just threw these earrings in the fire. Out came this calf. You know that's the way it happened, don't you? <laughs> no. But they made a golden calf. You know what they said? They didn't say we're worshiping a golden calf. They said we're going to worship God. And Exodus 32 tells us that the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. When Moses came down from the mouth, there they were. They were doing something. They called it worship. They even called it worship to God. But it wasn't acceptable worship. And God exacted punishment because of that. Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, offered strange fire. They were offering, they were worshiping, but they offered fire that God hadn't authorized, strange fire. And so the Lord said, well, I know you're doing the best you can. That's okay. No, 
It's not what the Lord said. He sent fire from heaven that devoured them before the Lord. They were worshiping, but it wasn't acceptable. I had to leave that place where men worshiped according to the doctrines of men that I might worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. That truth being the word, John 17, 17. But you know what that meant leaving my family? And I was accused later of being disloyal. I was shunned by some family members. Small price to pay. But that's the way it was. You can't find salvation in a religious body that worships in ways God has not authorized. And I had to quit encouraging people by my example in teaching to be denominationalist and began to encourage people to be just Christians. That's what Christians do. They encourage other people to be Christians. Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, Acts 26, 28. That's what Paul was doing. He was trying to get people to be Christians. How could I do anything different from that and be right in doing so? I could have said to myself, well, this is where my family worships and this is our, our church. It's the church that my fathers from generations back have been members of. And so surely, surely it will be okay. No, I had to be a Christian and encourage others to be a Christian as well because salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that teach men to be denominationalists instead of being just Christians. <clears throat> I had to give up supporting the differences and the divisions of denominationalism to support the unity found in the church. Jesus is the one who said he would build his church, not churches, but his church, he is the one who is the head of the church, Colossians 1.18. It is the one church, Ephesians 4.4. 4. It is the church for which he paid the price with his blood, Acts 20.28. 20, it is the church to which he adds all the saved, Acts 2.47. It is the church then of which I had to be a member if I wanted to be saved. I couldn't join it like you might join a denomination by obeying the gospel, I was added to it. He alone then is the head, and in it he prayed that we might have unity. In it we ought to be one people, one body, as he is the head. He prayed for that unity, John 17, 20 and 21, that they all might be one, he said, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also might be one in us. That's what I had to do. And I couldn't let family distract me from that. I had to abandon wearing a religious name, a religious name given by men, so that I could wear a name given by God. Now we know from our own experience that when we go up to a person and we say, now what are you religiously? They're going to tell you the name of the denomination which they attend, unless they're Christians. So I had to give up wearing a name given by men. We have to wear the name given by God. He prophesied of that, Isaiah 56, 5. It'd be a, a new name, a better name, a name better than that of sons and daughters, an everlasting name. Isaiah 62, 2, he said, The Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name. 
Israel would be called by a new name. Acts 9.15 shows that Ananias was told that Saul was the one who would bear that name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. And he was the one who did so. Acts 11.26, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That word called means they were called by God. They were divinely called. This is that name God said he would give. That name that would be new and everlasting. That name that would be better. It is the name Christian. And so that's what Paul was trying to get Agrippa to be, Acts 26, 28. Salvation cannot be found in a religious body that teaches we ought to wear a name different from what God has given. 1 Peter 4, 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf or in this name. We glorify God by wearing the name given. That is the name Christian. I had to stop being distracted by convenience and act by conviction. It was convenient to be in that denomination with my family. I would sit there between granddad and grandma. That was nice. Rest of my family there. That was convenient. It was pleasant. If denominational doctrines were true, how convenient that would be. Just pick the one that you like and the whole family can be there together. Your friends can be there. We must not be like Felix who said to Paul, Go thy way for now. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Acts 24, 25. So salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that teach convenience instead of conviction. Thus I had to give up the pleasant ties of time for the eternal ties that bind. If you have to choose between earthly ties and heavenly, we know which one we must choose. Matthew 10, 37 again. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And as I had been struggling with that decision, I knew what to do, but also loved my family. And as I was struggling with that decision, the preacher preached on Matthew 10, 37. I'm thankful that he did because I said right then, that's it. That's what I need to do. I obeyed the gospel that night, became a New Testament Christian left the religion of my family. Salvation cannot be found in religious bodies that emphasize choices that will not stand the test of eternity. We might choose that which seems to be convenient. We might choose that that for the moment seems to be pleasant. That might be that which will make other people in the family happy with us. We've got to make the choice for eternity and not for earthly ties. I had to leave the church approved by my earthly fathers for the church approved by my heavenly father. I knew that the first time I heard the gospel. The very first time. After one gospel sermon. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16 tells us. And yes, it would have been pleasant to stay in the church of my fathers, but... Salvation cannot be found in the churches of men. So to be saved, I had to be added to the church approved by my heavenly Father. Salvation cannot be found in the churches of men. That's the point. 
We must not allow ourselves to be distracted from that truth and salvation. So, friends, if you left denominationalism that you might become a member of the Lord's church, you made the right choice. You made the biblical choice. Don't ever look back. Don't ever become distracted. Let me tell you a sad, sad story. I preached at a place down in Alabama. There was a good family there, a wife, mother, and her daughters. But the husband wasn't there. And uh, he was a nice fellow. I'd met him. Had the opportunity finally to get to study with him. We studied and he obeyed the gospel. And there was rejoicing because of his wife now who has a Christian husband. The daughters have a Christian father. And there was great rejoicing because this man had obeyed the gospel. He hadn't really been anything as far as practicing religion. He had an affiliation. But he hadn't been anything as far as practicing religion before he obeyed the gospel. And now he was zealous. I believe genuinely converted. Active, helpful, working, learning, growing. It was just something that, uh, that made us all so happy. As time went by, his family began to work on him. They were not members of the Lord's church. Again, they were denominational in their beliefs, but as far as the practice, really not much of anything. But they couldn't stand it. They just couldn't stand it that he had, as they said, joined the Campbellite church. Of course, that's not what he did. He obeyed the gospel and the Lord added him to his church, Acts 2.47. But they worked on him and worked on him. I learned about what was happening. So I spoke to him about it and I said, you know, you made the right choice. We studied, you saw, you understood, you made your decision based upon that knowledge. You made the right choice. Don't let your family pull you back to being lost in sin again. And time went by and he began to uh, make some changes in his life. He got up in the pulpit one day. And read Matthew 7, 1 and following. And he read it to me. Judge not that you be not judged. I knew where he'd gotten that idea that we were judgmental, bigoted, narrow-minded. He hadn't gotten it from the Bible. He got it from his family. And now instead of my being his friend who had helped him to come to know the truth, I was his enemy. And wondered why that happened. And so he became angry. You know, guilt sometimes will lead to anger. He became angry and found fault, and eventually he just gave up on everything. And sadly, because of health issues that he had the next two or three years, passed from this life, passed from this life lost, unprepared for eternity. You say, why in the world would a man who knew the gospel do that? Because he was distracted by his family. And his love for them was made the the leverage to pull him back to where he really was nothing religiously. Not practicing anything. But it pleased his family that he was not going to the church of Christ anymore. 
You say, well, that's an isolated incident. No, it happens. It happens because we do love our families. And our heartstrings are pulled when they plead with us, when they get on to us, when they tell us that we've made the wrong decision. Don't let anybody convince you that your obedience to the gospel was not the right choice. If you left denominationalism, you did the right thing. If you don't believe that you did the right thing or somebody is trying to push you to think that you didn't do the right thing, please talk to somebody who can help you and open the Bible and look together with you and you can see again this is what it did and this was the right choice and I'm not going to leave it. So if you made that choice, don't ever look back. But if you're still in a man-made church, wearing a man-given name, following a man-made creed, worshiping according to what men say instead of what God says, and doing those things because it's convenient or because it's pleasant or because it's connected with family, you must leave the errors of men, even of your own family. If you would be saved. Matthew 10, 37 again. Notice what it says. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You don't have to quit loving your family to do what's right. As I stated in the beginning, I love my family more than ever. I have a better love for them because I'm a Christian. I have the right kind of love for them because I'm a Christian. My love for them now is such that I want them to be saved, not continue in that error and be lost. I don't want to go back where they are. I want them to come where they need to be. So, friends, if that is where you are today, maybe you've been thinking about that decision and you're wondering, what is it going to cost me with my family? Whatever the cost is, whatever it might be, it's worth it. I've known of people who have been disinherited because they obeyed the gospel. I've known of young people who've been put out of the house because they obeyed the gospel. I've known of those whose spouses were so upset with them because they obeyed the gospel that made life miserable for them. But you know what? There is no price no price that we have to pay that is so great that we need to leave the truth and follow error that we put our souls in jeopardy eternally. There's no price that we have to pay that is not suitable, that is not right, that is not something we ought to pay gladly that we might have salvation now and eternally. Think of the price Jesus paid that we might have that opportunity. So friends, if you are in a man-made church, we plead with you to look at the Bible. You know, I can do something that denominational preachers can't do. I can tell you, you read this book and this book alone and you follow it and you will be right. Denominational preachers can't tell you that. They've got another book, a different book that you have to read according to them. So why not do today what you know you need to do? Acts twenty two sixteen. Ananias said to Saul, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. 
We love our families. We want to have that pleasant association with them. We want them to be saved too. And it may be that the way for that family to be saved is for you to be saved. And then you can, by your good example and influence, teach them what to do, that they might be saved as well. If tonight you need to obey the gospel, we'll be happy to help you. Believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, confess your faith, and be baptized to have your sins washed away. If you've done those things, and maybe you've looked back, or you've let the world get back into your life, it's time to come back and begin anew to live as a Christian, to serve the Lord faithfully, that heaven might be your home after a while. Come right now if you need to while we stand and sing.